0: Okay. Any, any requests for prayers tonight? Well, that's happening. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I'm for our daughter again. She's not communicating
1: with
0: us. Say your name again. Amelia. Amelia, prodigal daughter, probably. Where did she get there? He's a different personality than us. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm. Yeah, yeah. part of me would like to do a Shakespeare class with you guys because Shakespeare and Dante, to me, there isn't anything either one of them don't see. And if you read Shakespeare enough, you can't read it without coming out and saying, uh, do generations get along at all? No. <laughs> Kids are always, always up to something. Always. Always. Um, the suffering they caused parents isn't. It?
1: Yeah, I didn't, though. That's the problem. <laughs> Say your name again Amelia. Amelia.
0: I'll let the record
1: show. 2021.
0: 20, <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> Let's start. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you again, Lord, um, for our life from you for the gift of Yourself to us in the Mass this morning, Your words to us, um, Your life itself that we carry. um, Amazing. Um, We are so competent, so capable, um, and we're so given to taking the world right in front of our eyes as all there is, um, even though everything that You tell us makes us aware there's something more that we don't see. In Lent, um, we've taken on ourselves Um, a greater effort of doing penance to um, do away with the worldliness, the attachments that we have to the world, strengthen us in those efforts particularly in small things. It's always easy to make excuses about small things um, without seeing the effect of it over time. Help us to make little efforts because we know truly when we look at it that small things mean a lot. So strengthen us in our efforts to do little things, not in our pride to dismiss them, like they're not great enough. Help us to do little things, um, knowing we get better when we do. Help all of us. Um, Ask for a blessing for the work we're doing here as a group. Um, Help our minds to take strength from what we're learning, our hearts and our faith um, to be strengthened by all that our minds bring to it, so that our faith deepens, so that we can bring you um, more to what we do. Faith takes us to things that aren't immediately in front of us. We know them, they're there. Um, Harder to see um, strengthen us in our movement in faith to you. Help us to do this, please. As for a blessing on Amelia, that young woman's heart and mind. Um, Surround her with your protection. Watch over her. Um, More especially, um, um, watch over Valerie and Chester. Um, Let their hearts quiet um, trust. Um, Help us all to remember that when we have struggles (coughs) and things look dark, bad things may happen. They always do. They always do. Our trust is um, that when they do, it'll be an occasion for us to grow in our faith, to know that you are always there, bringing something good out of them. Cape Lane's story that we just read, Joseph and his brother's story, and we will come to Christ. Every time there are awful, awful betrayals, where the world looks bleak and dark, something great comes out of it. Every time we suffer, we learn to see the world differently. It's like we've been reborn. We have a spiritual sight that we didn't before. Help us all to grow in that spiritual sight um, through the rest of this Latin season. Ask a blessing on Sue and um, Bev in their recoveries for Madison and Tracy. Um, watch over that girl and, and um The two adoptive parents who are uh, making arrangements now, let it let it go through, um, give them all strength for what's ahead of them. We ask a blessing on Marcy too, with her neck. Um, let all go well um, with the doctors and um, whatever um, they're going to determine about this. Um, we offer all of these prayers. Okay. Hmm? Fred. For Fred and Francis, mostly Fred, um, continue to help him recover um, his health. Sounds like he's on the mend. Um, um, Help all of us with whatever burdens we carry in our hearts through the rest of this Lenten season. We offer these prayers in your name, Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, Does anybody... I've still got an extra disc. If anybody wants a disc of the you Departures movie?
2: Here, two, there's another
0: one over there. I've got an extra movie, <laughs> I mean an extra disc if anybody's, if anybody wants one. <clears throat> okay, pull out, um, done. Dad, do you have a cup, do you have the poetry? Can you look for Supernatural Love? Yeah. Done. Right.
1: done, Charles, John's yeah. <coughs> done. <coughs> <laughs>
0: I hmm? <laughs> <laughs> have <can> <laughs> 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 asking for supernatural hmm? I <sighs> asking for supernatural do you have it, Doc Supernatural Love? Does anybody have the poetry packet with supernatural love in it? We had it we Do you have it? it? You have it? Oh great. You are good once in a while. Um, I want to read Dunn tonight just to keep us going because I I um, because of the Reservations, if I can put it nicely, some people were expressing about death. Last week I jumped out of what we were planning to do and did um, Herbert because I wanted to read that that wonderful poem on death that, that puts death in a very positive way. But I want to go back to Dunn. And given what we're doing, we're about to do with the Paradiso, I'm going to read Supernatural Love, which you've all heard me read several times because of the logos in it, because what Marcy loves so much. Um, but I wanted to pick up Dunn again, so um, let me read one of Dunn's poems, and, and then I'm going to read Supernatural Love again.
2: <coughs>
0: Next week I'm going to do Holy Son at 14, tonight I'm going to do 10, okay, death be not proud. Now let me just, <coughs> a this won't mean much to you, this is not a literature course, so I don't want to go into this in any kind of depth, but remember that the traditional, the traditional rhythmic line of English is called iambic. It's an unstress followed by stress. That's a foot. Another foot. Another foot. Traditional line is five ions. Da, 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 da. Okay? It's like looking at a piece of music when we go into church on the weekends and you see the if you see a sheet of music you'll see four four count or two four count or something. All poetry has that same kind of count. Poetry is a form of music. It, it has a measure, an established measure. <clears throat> and it's the poet's ability to play off of that measure that gives variation, that, that um, gives it an interest. So I, I could have read a lot of the poems that we were reading going, da-da, da-da, da-da. That's not how you read poetry. So I could go, death being, not proud, though some have called. I could read poems like that. It's not how we're supposed to read them. That meter is there in a line, even if we don't hear it. They're meant to read poems rhetorically. That's how the composer writes them. But that underlying meter is there, or there wouldn't be that musical aspect of poetry. The traditional line is kind of in candor. And sometimes a poet will vary a foot and will reverse it like this, and it'll put two strong syllables next to each other. Or some—it's called a trochee. It's been so long since I've done this. So those are things you become aware of when you start reading poetry. I I don't want to go into that here, but I'm I'm mentioning this for this reason tonight. Um, If a poet inverts the first foot, bum bum, instead of going bum bum, it's usually for emphasis. That's why he does it. if a poet makes two beats together, it's for emphasis. We could have gone back to Shakespeare and I could have shown you some of that. It just wasn't. But I'm saying something tonight because of Dunn's opening line. Because what you have are, in effect, almost four continuous beats. Okay? Bump, 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 bump. Death, death be not proud. Death, it hangs on the comet, death, be not proud. Does anybody hear anything in music that corresponds to that? Bum, bum, bump, bum.
1: Beethoven's fifth symphony. Yep. Sorry, I'm a
0: musician. No, you? no, no. I hope you all hear that, because I've always had a question whether Beethoven didn't compose his symphony meditating on done. Because if you if you if you heard that symphony, you know, bum, 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 bum. That's death. Knocking on the door. That's what that's about. It's, it's about death. It's a meditation on death. Bum, 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 bum. The heaviness of it is is deliberate. When you first hear death knocking on your door, it can strike a little bit of dread in you, you know? So I just want you to be aware of that in the opening line of this poem, because it's always struck me. I, I may be completely off here, I don't know, but it's, I've always wondered whether Beethoven. Didn't have these opening lines that he composed, but simply okay. So <laughs> bum, 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 bum. it's a meditation on death, knocking at the door. Holy Son of Ten Death be not crowned, proud. Crown. Death be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for are thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkest thou dost overthrow, die not. death, nor yet canst thou kill me from rest and sleep, which but thy pictures be, much pleasure, and from thee much more must flow, and soonest our best men with thee do go, rest of their bones and souls delivery. Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and doth with poison war and sickness dwell, and poppy or charms can make us sleep as well and better than thy stroke. Why swellest thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. It's very much like Herbert's poem. Remember, it's a little bit darker, but remember, Herbert's poem on death was a celebration. Remember the sad groans until Christ comes, and now death is something we should be looking forward to, not mourning about. <clears throat> okay, if you have supernatural it out. otherwise just listen if you don't have it. Just... The reason I'm going back to this tonight is because we're about to enter, um, the, the only way to put this, is we're about to enter in the Divine Comedy, the outskirts of Heaven, and in one sense we're already there. It's going to seem like we're not. Dante's going to go into the heavens, he's going to go to the moon and then Mercury and Venus and all the other planets. Um, but we'll see in a minute it, it, um, if there's any confusion about it, that there shouldn't be. Dante's entering a different dimension of time and space from the one we know. He's going to be experiencing things with his reason, but he's going to be learning to see things in faith because of what's happened to him that changes everything he does, okay? Um, I wanted to go back to this poem just to pick up this notion of the Logos. Because you know we've we've um, been tossing it around a lot, particularly since one of the parishioners asked me to define it um, adamantly. Um, remember that what the logos means in practical terms is there is God made the universe. There is nothing, nothing in the created world that does not mark His presence. Nothing. So. Whatever intelligibility anything has, a flower, um, a sea anemone, a tree, an animal, a human it does not matter. There is nothing in humor that, in, in nature that does not have intelligibility. If everything in nature is intelligible, and it is, has a meaning, it can be analyzed, we can see some, some order to it. What does that say about the Creator who made them? I think when nature is intelligible, so is the creator, okay? Um, Infinitely um, meaningful. Um, We don't have a lyric to show that right now, but I wanted to go back to the supernatural love, because as you remember, this is a poem uh, from the point of view of a mother, or a woman, looking back at a time when she was four years old, when she, four, um, knitting the sampler with the word beloved, and she pricks her finger. Um, her Her father is at the dictionary, looking up the word, the word carnation, because he's he's curious that she is so fascinated by that word. She loves the word carnation, apparently. So he goes to the dictionary like a scholar, so like an academic. He goes to the dictionary expecting to get the meaning to it. The irony is that we know that, that the meaning of that word is so far beyond what the dictionary will give him. But he's, he's an intellect, he's a modern intellectual in his head. Um, goes there. She pricks her finger, and he, he goes to her and she cries out, Daddy, Daddy. And that's the poem, I mean, that's the plot. But part of the interest is that um, there's nothing in this poem nothing in the poem that doesn't speak the thread the needle the blood the flower the word off the page Everything speaking it's another way of saying everything in the world speaks we don't hear it dante's world i mean oh one of the reasons i love that movie the remember the departures is that stone scene when says daigo gives the girl, his wife, sorry, the, his wife, the woman, that stone and said, before, before there was writing, people used to pass stones to each other to express what they felt. All of nature speaks. We don't hear very well. I think women are a little bit better at it than men because women work with plants and gardens and I think they tend to be a little bit closer to nature than we are, um, animals. So everything in this poem speaks, just a couple of things, because I don't want to go into it afterwards, I want to get to Dante, but um, listen to the language. She's sewing a sampler, beloved, straight from Paul, from Paul's letters. The, the room is described in terms of a tomb, looking down hallways, so there's a sense of depth. It's almost as if the whole episode, the word palimpsest, you guys know that word palimpsest? It's like a script placed over another script. This poem is like a palimpsest over the Bible. It's as if the Bible is showing through it, because everything that's said in the poem is expressing something from the Bible. Beloved, the needle, the nails of the cross. There will be allusions to that. Even the word carnation, the French for it, will have meanings that point to the cross. Clue, faith, nails. So the the words in the poem are rich with meaning, the the logos permeates the whole thing. At the end when she says daddy, daddy, Christ's words from the cross, she's been pricked. So what the poem is about is is this little girl pricking herself, the way that happens every day all, all across the world. How many people see in a moment the significance of that, the relationship between that kind of thing and what happened in Calvary? so she's showing us in this very ordinary scene that looks as if nothing's happening but as a matter of fact it's relating us back to the cross everything that's going on takes us there so the logos there's no way to read this poem and not feel his presence everywhere okay? and the last thing if, if those of you who've read my note on it, I passed it out I think a year ago when I gave you I, I, I believe that, that one of the reasons this poem is so profound for Schnappenberg, the woman, the poet who wrote this poem, is back because I, I believe it's about a moment when she was a child, when um, her calling came to her. That, her. that her calling as a poet goes back to that moment. That she realized there were blossoms, germs, that words lived and it was going to be her life to give herself to that work. So one additional theme that you wouldn't get on the surface of it, I, I believe, is there, is that I think this is the beginning of her calling as a poet. Okay? The word carnation, incarnate, to embody, to give a word, to make it flesh, that's what she spent her whole life doing. Okay. Supernatural love. <coughs> My father at the dictionary stand touches the page to fully understand the lamplit answer tilting in his hand. His slowly scanning magnifying lens, a blurry glistening circle he suspends above the word carnation. Then he bends so near his eyes are magnified and blurred one finger on the miniature word as if he touched a single key and heard a distant plucked infinitesimal string in quotes, the obligation due to everything that's smaller than the universe. His father is responding to this notion in terms of duty. It's it's an intellectual abstraction. He's in his head. I bring my sewing needle close enough that I can watch my father through the needles eye. The needles eye, straight out of the Bible. Through the needles eye as though a lens ground for a butterfly who peers down flower hallways towards a room shadowed and fathom as this study's gloom, whereas a scholar bends above a tomb to read what's buried there. He bends to pour over the Latin blossom. I'm four. I spill my pins and needles on the floor, trying to stitch beloved, X by X. My dangerous bright needle's point connects myself illiterate to this perfect text I cannot read. My father puzzles why it is my habit to identify carnations as Christ's flowers, knowing I can give no explanation but because. Word roots blossom in speechless messages the way the thread behind my sampler does. Where flowing each X, I awkward move my needle through the word whose root is love. He reads, the pink variety of clove Carnatio, the Latin meaning flesh. As if the bud's essential oils brush Christ's fragrance through the room, the iron fresh odor carnations have floats up to me, a drifted secret, bitter ecstasy. The stems squeak in my scissors. As if the stems, the scissors are speaking to a child, it's me. He turns the page to clove and reads aloud, the clove, a spice dried from a flower, but <laughs> I hope you see the, he's in his head, he's reading these, you know, these letters on it, in a dictionary. Clos, the French, or carnation. Then twice, as if he hasn't understood, he reads from the French for clue, meaning a nail. He gazes motionless, meaning a nail. The incarnation blossoms, flesh and nail. I twist my threads like stems into a knot and smooth, beloved, but my needle caught within the threads, Thy blood so dearly bought. The needle strikes my finger to the bone, I lift my hand, it is myself I've sown, the flesh laid bare, the threads of blood my own. I lift my hand in startled agony and call upon his name, Daddy, Daddy. My father's hand touches the injury as lightly as he touched the page before, their incarnations bloom from roots that bore the flowers I called Christ when I was four. I love that poem. Mark's right. Huh? Oh, sir, you don't get it. You're right. <laughs> no, you, I, you do. I know you do. Um, it's a good poem to go over. I mean, uh, I, if you don't have a copy. Does anybody not have a copy? Because I'll make some more. I'll, I'll, I'll bring some next week. Mary. It's a poem you should read because there's not a line in it that doesn't mean more than it seems. All, the imagery, the, the way think, blossom as a verb, you know, the tomb, the, the pricking her finger. Um, every one of those things means something, so. It's like the wind hover, remember the bird that, that, that catches the wind and in that moment Hopkins sees um, an analogy between what's going on with a bird in that in that moment of mastery when he stops. It's the same sort of thing with the girl pricking her finger. We're supposed to see that in that moment she is immediately related to Christ. E- even the father being in his head you know, does, doesn't see it or probably doesn't see it. Um, it's a beautiful poem. It's a, it's a wonderful illustration of the way the Logos the, the Word is present everywhere. But the trouble... The trouble um, we hear these the parables you know, in, our, in our readings often, in, in Scripture on the weekends or during the week if we go. We, we see all these scenes in which Christ is giving parables about blindness or taking care of something, and He Himself is healing the blind. He will take mud and you know, put it on our eyes, and a person will see, and Christ will say, go and tell nobody, and I mean, we've seen that a number of times. I think we so often think of ourselves as not being blind, so we don't need Christ to heal our eyes. Um, it seems to me when you read a poem like this, it's impossible to come away and not say, give me my eyes, because we don't see this stuff. We just don't read well. We, th- we think because we see so well. We're so smart, so educated. We think we see well, um, and so often we don't. You know, there's so much more to be seen, and that's where we're going in the Paradiso, because what Dante's showing us is what happens once faith begins to enter a person's life, how it changes the way he sees, but what's what's suddenly going to come visible to
2: him. It's going to happen, okay? Okay. Yeah. When you say when Dante sees that faith becomes in his life in the Paradiso, is that implying that in Purgatory, Faith wasn't there, or wow. did you, you gain faith, or I'm just I don't wow. understand the transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
0: a <sighs> yeah, that's a simple question, huh? <laughs> that's a
2: simple question. That was that's 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, I, I think
0: it right here. In ter- <laughs> I think in terms of the allegory, we're we're meant to understand. <coughs> By the way, just faith is implicit in the whole journey, because we know from the beginning, Mary went to Lucia, she went to Beatrice, you know. So faith is active even if it doesn't take a visible part in the plot. But in terms of the plot and its surface, it doesn't have anything to do with what's going on because Virgil's Dante's guide. And what what we experience as we go through the first two canticles, hell and purgatorio, is everything that, the best that a virtuous reason can do. And that's a good. But I just, I, I, I'm going to come to that in a second. I can't stress that enough. I, I feel so deeply about this. If, if we don't feel that virtue is the, Virgil is the very best that reason can do, and that he is a really good man, even though he's going to go back to hell, if we don't feel that he's an extraordinary Dante, my master, my father, my guide, Dante would never have got there. We, it just, it's just crucial to see that. Beatrice is going to pick him up but he would never have got to that point without Virgil. So it's absolutely crucial to see faith isn't active and at work in the story, it's it's implied in the background, but the most important thing for us to see is what's at work is reason, doing the very best it can to help a person learn to see his faults and begin to overcome them. Hell, purgatory. Because what happens at this point where we're about to pick up is Beatrice is going to bring a different kind of sight. It's still going to answer reason, because we never lose it. It's, a, it's God's natural gift to us. It will just become richer and richer and richer as we go forward, because of what faith brings to it. It's really interesting because most of what Beatrice will do with Dante on the way up will use reason. She's going to be explaining. At every moment she's going to be explaining something that we can understand with our powers of reason. But we know at every point that she she's showing Dante something that Virgil could never have shown her. Actually, actually I have a question about that. Yeah. There's no need for faith in this book at all. Because faith is what? Believing in what you don't know. In the story, he is in hell. He is in purgatory. He is in heaven. He knows at that point in time where he's at. He doesn't need faith. It's in front of him. I mean, it's, it's he's living it. You have faith when you don't know and you still believe. See, I, I, you know, so I thought you so. we were going the concept of the story, he doesn't need faith at that point because he's already there. Okay, let me just... <coughs> you started by saying, I've got a question. And I didn't hear a question. I hear an assertion. Does he part. need faith? Is faith present in the book? Is faith needed by Dante in the book? Can anybody answer that quick? I want to I go on because most of this is good. But anybody want to take a stab at that?
2: Would he have been there if he didn't have faith? But once he gets there, he doesn't need it. He's, I mean, he's living it, so you don't have to believe in it. anything. It's he's living it. I think faith it's is about there. believing when you don't know. I think faith is indwelled with reason, and so it doesn't come out explicitly.
0: Let me go back and try to offer just a couple of quick thoughts. Quick, one mark is um, your definition of faith isn't the church's definition or Dante's. Faith isn't belief in something you don't know. That's not the church's definition. Faith is a certain, an absolutely certain knowledge of the substance of things as they are. So the church believes that faith is a form of knowledge, that we know the substance of things. We'll get to the definition in a minute. The whole work implies it, and I think Dante would be the first to say and understand. I don't think the modern world understands it at all, but... To use your reason, it's almost, wait, I want to make, I'm going to, I'm going to use this flippantly. Make a place for it for a moment. Using reason is an act of faith, Now, I being flippant, because I don't mean that literally in the context in which we're talking about, because we look at faith as something greater than reason. It helps us to see eternal things, okay, that we know are there, even if we can't see them. but everything about, the, everything about the story implies a faith, as I just tried to suggest a minute ago. Nothing goes on that doesn't start from a supernatural order. Um, but the interesting thing, to, to, to try to answer Mark's question more directly, I think most of us know people who didn't have a faith who come to the faith by a love of truth. Their love of truth can be so great that as they pursue it, they see that it leads to something beyond. So Dante is in that position. I mean he, Virgil's coming to help him. He, remember, it starts. it starts. It sort of you can say, it, it assumes of act of faith. Dante wants to go up to God, on that mountain. That's, you can call that. You can say it's, it's reason working. I, I don't want to quibble. I don't want to argue about this. It's, you can say it's reason. He wants to go to the truth. You can say it's faith. He wants to go to God. You, you know, Dante doesn't clarify it. What we know is that there is this longing for something more, this deep longing. It's enough for him to push up that mountain, and he immediately finds that he can't do it and it's pushed back. So what happens is reason is allegorically, reason is sent to him to help make clear what reason can about sin and purgatory. So what, in terms of the allegory, what Dante's showing us is that reason is sufficient to deal with false weaknesses. You don't, you don't need to be a Christian to see faults and sins. Right. So that's my whole point about people you know, before Christ and
1: after Christ. How about all the good Jewish people? right what happened to that? wait on that because yeah we're gonna get that's it. i mean you're going to
0: you got it you got more on your mind than what you're saying wait on that but to, but to pick it up i mean um, mallory's saying it just in another way but everybody in the ancient world before christ has had a sense of a law that there was something you shouldn't do and when you did you broke a law you committed a crime you didn't need christ to tell you that the pagans knew it there has forever been a sense that Virtue required that we not do something that informed the pagan world. That if, if you're going to be able to do something good, it meant you had not to do some things. And when you did, you committed a crime. People were hung, people were executed before Christ came along. We're all aware of that. Um, what Dante's showing us here, this is where we're going, is that that reason is active. It's, it, it's, in Virgil, we have an image in Dante's allegory, of the maturity of it. The very best that natural reason can do. That's what Virgil images. And I just, I can't stress that. enough. It's, It's enough to show us, allegorically, hell, the worst sins about ourselves, the pagans knew all this stuff, and purgatory, that there are ways to correct our sins. We know from the allegory that nobody would be in purgatory without the help of God. That's buried. Um, so, Dante's asking us to make subtle distinctions here, but, but at least at this point, the, the only point I want to make is that w- we're about to enter a world um, that we're to understand directly involves faith as it brings a greater power to reason in what reason can do. It's the best way I can put it, okay? Hold on, let's just give us time here and let's, let's get into some of this. A quick, a quick review. Um, we we went through some of the end of the up. Uh, we, we got through the end of the purg- purgatorio last week. I want to go back to a couple of things to ask some questions before we go ahead, um, but I want to try to do this quickly because I really want to read the opening passages of the um, um We saw that in the in the in purgatory souls wanted to have a better life, and they knew that in order to do that, they had to correct themselves. If they were left to themselves, they'd be in hell. That's the allegory, that's what we saw. They wanted to, they wanted to do better, and they, they couldn't do it without help. So purgatory is the motion to become better with God's help. Um, and we saw the complexity of that, the, how, how deep it is, because what we saw was that on each level, as the souls, the penitents did their penance, performed acts of penance, a blindness was being stripped away. They were learning to see the world differently. They were changing, and they were changing the direction in what I've called this this great um, wholeness this this um, this power to indwell with another, so that we're, souls are no longer caught in this subject I, you, that dichotomy, subject-object, That very gradually they were overcoming that and becoming united with one another, because love is united. So, the intellect, the mistakes of the mind were getting out of the way, the mistakes in the will were getting out of the way. They were being, they were being purified, step by step by step by step and they were, were recovering what they once had, what they lost, okay? That's the whole action of purgatory. And we saw that in detail, we saw the contrapassos at each level, the goads, the checks, the beatitudes, the prayers. My suggestion to all of you, and I'm, now I'm speaking as a catechist, um, I'm saying this really seriously, go back to the study guide, to the schemes. identify your own sins. Each of them have, each of us has Weaknesses in some areas more than others. Look at the prayers for those sins. Look at the contrapostos. Look at the goads and checks, because it, it, Dante. I mean, this is not the. This is not a catechism. It's a story. It's an epic, but the richness in its catechetical message to us is amazing to me. Go back to those levels. Identify anything you want. Say those prayers. It's just. Prayer specifically for whatever it is, Um, gluttony, lust, avarice, whatever it is. Um, Take seriously the penance because um, I remember Father Flynn used to say often, take one sin and work on it. I wish he'd said, I wish he'd identify them and said, you know, because what do you do when you say work on it? What does the person do? How do you know what to do? Where do you begin? Dante's answering it all. It's there. The church has answered it forever visit the church, so. Anyway, we've come to the end and I want to look at three things that we touched on briefly, but we've got to look at them a little more closely, so I want to take a few minutes. lost again. Give me a second here. to Purgatory, the end of it. I want to pick up a a couple of passages with um, with Virgil. Doc, what are you looking for? Is there one of the
2: handouts you're
0: looking for you can't find? No, I can't find my notes again. Here on page 351. Dante spent the night with Virgil and Stacia sleeping on the ledge of the lustful, separating them from paradise, Eden, the earthly paradise. He has the dream of um, Leia and Rachel, remember, the active and contemplative life. They complement each other. But the the church's teaching, and I think Dante's orthodox in this sense, is that the active life supports the contemplative, the contemplative is, is higher to contemplate God is higher than being active in the world. It relates one more immediately with God. He has that dream. It's an appropriate um, one because it, it brings together the the two activities of the soul that are most important for us. The work we do in the world, the way we contemplate God. Um, when the sun rises, Dante and Virgil and Stasius ascend and they come out of the earthly paradise. So the the the, the whole discipline of purgatory is over. On page 351. You know how you now have seen my son the temporal and the eternal fire. You've reached a place where my discernment now has reached an end. I led you here with skill and intellect. From here on let your pleasure be your guide. This is Saint Augustine. Love and do what you will. You remember we had that passage earlier where somebody had a question too. Um, The soul doesn't need any urging from God. One, when that discipline is over, the very nature of the soul, because God made every human being to be free. Absolutely. When the soul is complete in love, it doesn't need him. Whatever he does will be in conformity, he'll be one with God, he, he will be free. Whatever he chooses to do then will be good. There'll be nothing he can do against himself that will do evil, you know, he's, he's been purified. Um, from now on, let your pleasure be your guide. The narrow ways, the steep are far below. Behold the sun shining upon your brow. This is a moment of reawakening. The sun is an image of it. The sun's rising. Dante's rising into a new life. Till those lovely eyes rejoicing come, which tearful once urged me to come to you. You may sit here or wander as you please. Expect no longer words or signs from me. Now is your will upright, wholeness and free, wholesome and free. And not to heed its pleasure would be wrong. Let your will do as it pleases. No constraints, no fetters, no laws, you're full. It's important to see this right now because in a minute he's going to be taken apart by Beatrice. So everything looks really good right now. And Virgil says, I crown and miter you, Lord, of yourself. Now go on over um, to the point where on page 365 <coughs> remember the Beatrician pageant has been approaching Dante Matilda this beautiful lady graciously receives him and the pageant comes up um, and the pageant is an image of the mass um, the the four gospel writing writers the four natural virtues the three supernatural virtues um, the Gospel writers, <coughs> elders, um, they're all there. So what comes to him is, I said this last time, but I'd like to, <coughs> what comes to him then is the Mass in its wholeness. It's not broken up into weekends. We always get it in parts. Remember where we are right now. This is so crucial. We, remember I talked about the image of God, the Father is not more or less than the whole. We're in a different realm right now. We're approaching something, our language, we have trouble thinking about it because we don't think that way. This is the whole mass. It's not in parts, it's not on a weekend, it's all there. So we're, we're meant to see allegorically that what Dante's experiencing is the wholeness of that mass, okay? At the center of it is Beatrice in his chariot, pulled by the griffin, who is the dual image of Christ, lion and eagle, okay? The, the justice, the nobility of Christ. She comes, and remember Dante had loved her when he was younger, a younger man. But as a younger man, his, clearly his love was um, spiritual and passionate. That is fleshly, human. So seeing her again sets him trembling. 365. She appears over her white veil and olive crown and under her green cloak, her gown in color of eternal flame. Instantly, though many years had passed since I was still trembling before her eyes, captured by adoration, stunned by awe, my soul that could not see her perfectly still felt, succumbing to her mystery and power, the strength of its enduring love. No sooner were my eyes struck by the force of the high piercing virtue I had known before I quit my boyhood years, than I turned to the left with all the confidence that makes <coughs> a child run to its mother's arms. When he's frightened or needs comforting, to say to Virgil, "Not one drop of blood is left inside my veins that does not throb." <laughs> this is interesting. <laughs> in modern terms, it would be he's turning to express his feelings. This is how I feel, as if that's important anymore. I hope everybody sees the irony because yeah, it's you know, know when ordeals go on in TV, the journalists will always go, "How did that make you feel?" <laughs> and feelings are important. I don't want to I don't want to debunk them here, but. It's really calming because what he wants to do is let Virgil know how he feels at this moment. Not one drop of blood is left inside my veins that does not throb. I recognize signs of the ancient flame, but Virgil was not there. We found ourselves without Virgil. Sweet father, Virgil to whom for my salvation, I gave up my soul. This is when Beatrice will start taking him apart. I, 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 I think I've already talked about this, yeah? I gave you my... but let me ask... I think I did, let me ask it again. What's the significance of this moment? Allegorically, what are we supposed to see? (coughs) Beatrice is going to take Dante apart. Virgil has brought him this far. This is his father, his master. It's a man he loves deeply. He turns for consolation. Virgil's gone. Allegorically, what's the importance of this moment? I'm stressing this because I think this is absolutely (coughs) crucial for what we're about to do. When we enter the heavens. You're only get you so hmm? Your intellect will only get you so far. It's not the intellect. It's not, the intellect is going. God gave us an intellect. It's it, it's not Dante's not going to lose it. Neither is Beatrice. The, the reason is a gift from God. That's not what's going on. Re, reason's going to be alive through our whole journey. How could it not be? It was a gift from God. What? How are we to understand this moment and what it means for reason? I'm sure everybody will feel this. Allegorically, what's going on, I think, is this. Dante is not going to... Everything that happens after this point is not going to involve less reason. Because God... The two great powers he gave us, free will and reason, are wills and reason. Those are our gifts. We're made in his image. We're made in his image. God is wisdom, he's love. the source of reason is him. Reason will never stop in us. What's happening in that moment is, and I, I just think its we have to see this this way, worldly reason at this point is not going to be enough for what's going on. Dante's going to have to let go of that for him to go on this journey of faith. Is reason going to die? Become inactive or dormant? No, absolutely not. What he's showing is that kind of reason that depends on its worldliness, that has to be left behind. And I want to stress this as strongly as I can. That is, at some point, every soul is going to have to say goodbye to that kind of worldly reason, the the way we use reason that's based on what Paul would call the flesh. The arguments we get into, the habit of self-justifying, the way we see the world through those eyes, that kind of reason has got to be left behind in order to continue the journey. Is is reason not going to be involved? Absolutely it will be, but it will be infused by faith and it will see things differently. And if we don't see how big this is, I just don't think we see the importance of the moment. I myself love Virgil. I think we're meant to love this man. Dante's done everything he can to attach us to this man. He's a good man. If we don't see that, we don't understand the significance of this moment. Because at this moment, to go on, he has to put that away. Think about what's going on here. He's like a child in front of Beatrice. If, and Virgil just said, I crown and miter you. So the kind of, remember that line that Dante uses when he's talking with that poet on the on earlier? Um, when he's des- describing poetry. Um, God, I love it just on page 330. He's talking with Bonagienta, Gienta, um, a poet, and the poet is complimenting Dante because of his own poetic style. And he says, but tell me, do I not see standing near him who brought forth the new poems that begin, ladies who have intelligence of love? That to me is, that that's the opening line of the nu- uh, Vita It's the poem you have in the back of your book. Um, I said to him, I am one who, when love inspires me, takes careful note, and then gives form to what he dictates in my heart. Ladies who have intelligence of love. Let me put it this way. What's the difference between an intellect that's working without love and an an intellect that's working that's centered in love? Are they going to see the world the same way? Will they? No, one's going to be self-justifying, argumentative, finding fault, you know, lust, gluttony. I mean, watch those play out in the way a person uses his mind. Okay? Free the person of those things and let him be in love. What, was it, what will his intellect do then? Will it stop? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In fact, if anything, the world's going to grow more in wonders. But so long as the person is trapped in that kind of intellect, that person's back on that threat. It's not taking that's the step we're about to take. So that line, ladies who have intelligence of love, what does it mean for a man or a woman to have an intellect centered in love? Look at Christ. Look at Mary. Look at Paul. Look at the saints. Watch their minds. They're not argumentative, they're not justifying, they're not tearing down. Iago's line, those of you who are here, Iago, I'm nothing if I'm not critical. God, I love that line. It's stunning. I'm nothing if I'm not. He has no being if he can't be critical of everything. And that means destructive. Mm-hmm. Christ doesn't not make judgments. Christ makes judgments all the time. But he does it in love. I mean, his the, the source for him is he is the truth, he is the embodiment, the, you know. So what's happening at this moment when Dante turns to Virgil and then he's going to have to deal with Beatrice, is for him to continue on the, a life of faith as a Catholic doesn't mean the intellect will become dormant or go to sleep, it means the whole character of the intellect will change because its root is in love, not everything worldly, because we, ha- we are about ready to leave that behind. So this, is, so this moment, allegorically, in terms of the book, is crucial. If Dante's showing us an image of the soul moving back to God, and faith and reason are at stake here, what we do with our intellects, with our faith, this is an absolutely, cru- this is a, 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 a peripatia, a turning moment. The action's going to turn. It's signaled by Virgil leaving, Virgil and Beatrice coming. That's not a small moment. That's absolutely radical. Is, is Virgil bad? He is a virtuous man.
1: But self centered must be because that's why he's in hell. he's in hell
0: because he's being good. Yeah, Marx. I mean, you can be a good man, but it's just not good enough. Wait, listen here. I don't want to argue your belief. Or my, what I want to do right now is stay with the story. Okay? But take, the, I mean, we're, I'm asking everybody to learn from the story without bringing. What, what Dante shows us, if, if, the reason here does not have to be. Wait, hold on. What's the definition of virtue? According to Virgil, this is so crucial to our faith. The Protestant mind has got it black white. You leave this world, you're here. Black, white, it's there. That's not what Dante's showing us right now. What's the nature of the reason used by a virtuous person? If virtue means, go back to the ancient virtues, justice, prudence, fortitude. Mercy. No, no, no. Well, I mean, the justice, vir- justice, prudence, endurance, temperance, those, those virtues. Can you be just, according to Virgil, without doing the good for another? without doing what's just for another. No, you can't. It's not self-centered, you're not serving yourself. Did, did the, put it differently, did the, did the pagans believe in dying a noble death? Yes, they did. You can die for the good of another. Christ goes farther and says, anybody can die for a good friend. How many pagans would have died for an enemy? The pagans, the pagans did. they saw virtue clearly enough to know you could not do the good of another without putting yourself away. Is that the same thing as faith, hope, and charity? Absolutely not. What, what Dante showing us in Virgil is everything that the the best that the world can do on its own. Is that bad? Absolutely not. It's a virtue. Does the Protestant mind say that? No, because they believe, after all, everything is corrupt. Corrupt. That's a black-white view. So it's really crucial to see, I mean, we, we have to get our heads around that to appreciate the, what's the, the real meaning of what's going on at this moment. For Dante to continue, <laughs> and it's, it's so funny, to why? Because in, he's, he's, Virgil says, I crown and miter you. You're a man. Do whatever you want. Beatrice comes up, he's like a little kid getting a scolding from a mother. Because he's entering on to something that goes so far beyond the way we use reason in this world. Watch the way Mary does it, watch the way the saints do it, watch the way Christ does. You see reason taking a different character. Okay, So that's where we are here. So why Virgil? I think that's why. Now why Beatrice? Here's, here's a major problem for the turn to Beatrice. I mean, here, she says, 366, I sense the real sternness. <laughs> this is so, I, I love this scene. Dante wants to go to Virgil. Remember the, the, um, remember the description? That a child makes to its mother's arms. He, he's turning to Virgil. A child, like a, this is a, this is a man who's gone up, into hell, up purgatory. Virgil said, I crown a miter, do what you will, I mean, he's manly. Next to Beatrice, (laughs) goes running to Virgil like a child to his mother. I sense the regal sternness of her face, and she continued to the tone of one who saves the sharpest words until the end. Yes, look at me, yes, I am Beatrice, so you at last have dang to climb the mountain. Oh, so you thought well enough to come to us, did you? She's just scathing. Um, I lowered my head and looked down at the stream, but filled with shame, it, it goes on like this. She just attacks him mercilessly. 368, I passed into my second age and changed my life for life, that man you see straight after others and abandoned me. When I had risen from the flesh to spirit, became more beautiful, more virtuous, he found less pleasure in me, loved me less, and wandered from the path that leads to truth pursuing simulacra of the good, imitations of the good, which promise more than they can ever give. I prayed that inspiration came to him through dreams and other means. In vain I tried to call him back, so little did he care. To such depths did he sink that finally there was no other way to save his soul except to have him see the damned in hell." So, we know from this that Dante was damned, um, and she came to save him. I think I, I think this goes to Valerie's point and what um, the questions she, she's been raising. the Mark, in in um, in a pre-Christian world, the the, ver- the pagans knew that there was an underworld, a hell. A, you know, there were different. If you go back to the pagan world, you know that there were divisions of it. What they called the uh, the abode of the blessed wasn't heaven as we know it, but. Um, but the pagans did not have supernatural virtues, hope, faith, and charity. They didn't know a Christ. He didn't exist then. So there's a, there's a human limit to what they can do. The, the Jews put themselves under a law, even if they were good. And it raises a question, how much, how much of something selfish can ever get taken care of by the law or, or a virtuous, even if you're a virtuous pagan, is there some residue of self, you know, it's just a, it's a dark area. What we do know is that they don't, they didn't have faith open charity. They didn't know of a blessedness that that comes into our view with Christ, the Transfiguration on the Mount, the miracles, the miracles, the healing, all of that. What we know here is Dante's Catholic. He's in danger of being damned when the story starts. This had to happen. He had to. He had to be helped to see hell and purgatory because the danger was so great. So to, I mean, to all the questions that Valerie and Mark have been raising up, so there's an implied faith, there's a supernatural order going, there was in the pagan world, those of you who've done the works, the Italy, the Odyssey, you know that the gods are active. But this is a divine order of another order. It's Christ who came, a God, who gave that kind of love. The pagans didn't know. So they, they wouldn't have known that kind of love and they wouldn't have known the blessedness that the Christian world knows. But here we know he was in dangers. And the irony is, she understands very clearly, at that moment when she died, he should, this is, this is, how, this is how much we're tempted by the world, by the flesh. She says, you should have loved me more because I was more beautiful, more virtuous when I left this world. Because she passed on to the other world you turned to the flesh. You wanted women here, you wanted money here, you wanted your pleasures here. And because you did, in a sense, you you betrayed that love that you had. I'm trusting we all know that, that the, the, the world, the whole, the hold the world has on us. That, that the desires that we have, the expectations we and when we do the baptism, every time we, we go through that, do you know, it's, Satan, the allure of the world, the glamour of the world, you know, those words mean something. Um, It's a way of admitting, I love things here too much. So what Dante's about ready to do at this point is leave the world as we know it with that kind of reason, a reason steeped in the world. She takes him apart, page 370, 371. In your journey of desire for me, leading you towards that good beyond which not exists, to which man's heart may aspire, what pitfalls did you find? What chains stretched out across your path? You felt you were forced to abandon every hope of going on? And what appealed to you? What did you find so promising? And all those other things that made you feel obliged to spend your time in courting them? I heaved a bitter sigh. just. Um, go on over, 371 at the bottom. If listening can cause you so much grief now, raise your beard and look at me and suffer greater grief. She's reminding him that how much he's <coughs> not been faithful to her. <coughs> look at me and suffer greater grief. Now raise your beard. This is like a little child at 372. Um, With less resistance in the sturdy oak uprooted by the winds of storms at home in Europe or by those that larvace blows, then my soul offered to her curt command that I looked up at her. She called my face, my beard. I felt the venom in her words, and when I raised my head, I did not look at her, but at those first created ones, they had already ceased their reign of flowers. I saw that Beatrice faced the beast, who in two natures is one, that's the image of Christ, so she was veiled and on the other shore, lovelier now she seemed than all when alive on earth when she was loveliest of all. She's even more beautiful now than before. I felt the stabbing pain of my remorse. What I had loved the most of all the things that were not she, I hated now the most. That is, all those desires <coughs> that he turned to it should have been directed at her. I have a question about that. Give me one minute. Okay, let me get through this and then and I'll o- open this whole thing up. The recognition of my guilt so stunned my heart, I fainted. I'm just trusting everybody. This is
2: How many faints? Can anybody count them? <laughs> See, Tracy, how many? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think it's the third or fourth. <laughs> what happened then is known only to her who was the cause of when I revived. The lady that I first saw strolling alone was now bent over me. Hold on to me, hold tight. She had led me to the stream up to my neck. Now drawing me along. She takes him into the river of Lethe, you all know that. It's the, from the pagan world, it's the stream in which all memory of sin is erased, washed away, wash my guilt away, okay? The lovely lady, opening her arms, embraced my head and dipped it in the stream, just deep enough to let me drink of it. She took me from those waters, cleansed and led me to the dance of the four lovely ones. Um, in the middle of 373. Look deeply, look with all your sight, they said, for now you stand before those emeralds from the love which shot loving darts at you. Now she looks at Beatrice, and he, he almost cannot contain himself because, remember now, he's purified. You know, we've been seeing this. I mean, it's what I've been suggesting since the beginning. At each stage, when pride sins were being stripped, and the person was growing in humility, the person was learning to see differently. Dante finished, completed the penance, comes to the earthly paradise. And remember, this is crucial. The end towards which we're going now is not back to Eden, (coughs)
2: because
0: that was lost. Christ gave us something to make our sins change the graces that we received. Now what man's going on is something far greater than Adam knew. So he's standing there looking at Beatrice, overwhelmed with this kind of love. She look deeply, look now with all your sight. Like sunlight in a mirror shining back, I saw the 2 fold creature in her eyes, reflecting its two natures separately. Imagine, reader, how amazed I was to see the creature standing there unchanged, yet at its image changing constantly. While my soul, delighted and amazed, was tasting of that food which satisfies and at the same time makes one hungrier the other three, revealing in their mien, their more exalted rank, came dancing forth, accompanied by angelic memory. Turn, Beatrice, turn your sacred eyes, they sang. Um, he's overwhelmed at the sight. He's just looked into her eyes. She's looking at the griffin, image of Christ. And every desire that he ever had... Remember, he's, he's, his memory of sins has been washed. Every desire he's ever had is now satisfied and he's longing for more. That's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in heaven, that in the presence of God, every desire for good that we ever had will be satisfied. And because that God is infinite, it will go on forever. I mean, that's that kind of paradox. So the kind of wholeness that Dante is showing us right now is extraordinary. Okay. Now, I, wait, hold on. My question at this point, Dante just completed purgatory. Virgil said, I crown him my dear. He turns for help when his knees start shaking because he sees Beatrice again, he's overwhelmed. He's not there and Beatrice takes him apart. Um, he's dipped in Lethe, in, in the next lines, the last lines of the, pur- the Purgatory I'll read, he is dipped in the river of Eunoe, and all memories of good deeds will be recovered. And when that happens he will rise into the heavens, he will go into the paradise. That's where we're about to go, but my question is, why is he not seeing Christ here? Why Beatrice? This to me is crucial, allegorically. It's as (coughs) important as what we just saw with Virgil. Virgil had to go, Dante had to learn to turn away from worldly loves for him to go on. It, It meant his reason would be different. The way he used his rational power, a gift God gave him. What he did with reason would change. But the question for me right now is, He was just crowned minor. Um, She's looking at the griffin. He sees an image of Christ. Why is Christ not present at this moment for Dante? But hold on, I mean, I don't know if you're quite, but go ahead, you had a question.
1: I just don't understand why he's being admonished, because she passed away, and he went on with his life, and we were all taught,
0: well, when someone dies, you can
1: remarry. Yes, you can remarry, you can have
0: Whatever. So why, is, why are they making that a, a bad Good. thing? It's another way. I'm glad. Just why? I mean, this is all related to my question. Why? <coughs> why. What's going on with Beatrice here at this moment? Allegorically. If, let me put it. Wait, 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 wait. If, if we look at this as a spiritual journey, if you look at the mystics and read their stories, we can include this among those stories. I'm going to even argue in a minute when we open the pages on the Paradis. Dante may have had a mystical experience like the mystics. For him to see what he's doing. But that uh, yes or no, we don't know. This is, a, this is Dante's story of the journey of the soul returning to God after Christ. So these are crucial moments and we've just seen allegorically the, I think the importance of what happens when Virgil leaves. Beatrice is here now. The question is, why? Why not Christ? Why is she here? Valerie's question is a good one. What's, what, what, how do we understand this moment? My question is why Beatrice?
2: Because there's nothing about I mean Virgil, famous poet, all the he mentions, is either a famous criminal or a famous somebody. And this is some chick he knew ten years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: mean, yeah. well, I mean Mark, listen to your own be. listen to your own words and it would give you the answer. God <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why there's nothing there's nothing, you know profound. Profound about her. Yeah, yeah. I mean it could have been anybody. Maybe it's just part of Actually, the. Actually, that's a maybe. good I'm so glad you put it that way. From what we know about Beatrice, what would any of you say? Because I've already said some things about it. It's just wonderful that you would have put it that way. What? What? I mean, from Maybe what we do know, special. can we answer? It? Sorry. Maybe she was special. Maybe she what? Was special. special. How?
2: <laughs> Did you go to or or You're all saying it, yes. Well, so? She was special to him, but after she passed away, she became less and he became more involved with the worldly things as opposed to the supernatural or the spiritual things.
0: What have I told you? What have I told you that Dante. Uh, what's the whole point of La Vita Nuova, the new life, that poem written in honor of Beatrice? Was she a great poet? Was she a great viol- violist or... Basketball, <laughs> make it what you will. Was she great in any worldly terms? Did she have any great accomplishments? Women who have the intelligence of love? She was an image in Dante's... Here's the background of Levito. She, she awakened an amazing love in Dante because he saw in her an image of the Trinity. Let me put this a little bit more... Can any of us go back? I know I can. Can any of us... I'm sorry. Can any of us go back to moments when we were young, when something in the world's terms people would laugh at, but something happened that made a memory stick, that that awakened some sense that there was something there and we could have (coughs) never... like the four-year-old girl. We could have never found words for it. A love a tenderness a, I mean I'm sure all of us have had moments when we were children when something struck us and it stays with us our life even if nothing came of it she's she is an Dante became aware of the Trinity through her it was only because of her that he became began to question these things and see if she would imagine any if any of us were, was a young 14 15 16 year old guy and here's this beautiful 13-year-old young woman, beautiful beyond description. Nothing worldly. In her image, there, there she imaged a radiance of beauty that suggested something more that couldn't be explained at wealth, career, money, popularity. There was just something in her. And it made Dante aware, he grew up as a Christian, as a Catholic. She made real probably what he'd learned in catechism. There it was. Wiki says it perfectly. Wiki. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Beatrice,
1: bringer of joy and blessings.
0: She who makes
1: happy. She was she was an it person in today's. <laughs> so long so
0: long as you add to that, which it doesn't say, so long as you add to that, we're talking we're talking about a supernatural mystery, something hits a person, and in that moment, Joyce used the word epiphany, that sometimes we have these moments where something, Shakespeare had to have them when he was a young kid. But so, Beethoven, you know, people have these moments that radiate with meaning, and there's no way at that time to describe them, they're ineffable, you don't have words for them. Dante was made aware of the Trinity through Beatrice. That's what that poem is about. It brought a joy to him, a great pleasure. It was supernatural. Um, that awakened a great love in him. In fact, it goes to this question, why Beatrice now? I mean, let's go to that. Why Why here? Why isn't it Christ? Why is it Beatrice instead of Christ? Yeah, I don't
1: know why, because... He made it, I mean, isn't it in the Bible where you made it where when, when someone dies, that's you have no more. I
2: ignited. mean, you answer
0: that. Is it in the Bible? You go find it in the Bible. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I want to see that's that because I'm not aware it of it.
1: that part, wasn't. No, I'm not trying, I'm trying to. Remember.
0: Why Beatrice instead of Christ? Can anybody. You well, mean, uh,
2: if what you said before about the poem that he wrote, which okay. uh, gave her the image of the Trinity, I'm, then isn't that then that's that, I guess now that's that picture he sees at this point in time, is the Trinity.
0: Say again, Say, sorry. You know, so
2: like you're talking about in the poem, mm-hmm. that she was what, the representative of the Trinity, or gave him the vision of that, Right. that's what came to him. So at this point in time, after he's now left purgatory, that's the image of the place that he's going to. So you now, and and so since so she was the image that took him there, this is kind of like the next or the Now that he's in that realm, she would be the obvious one to take him on that journey to finish. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she is a Christ. We have it's important to see Beatrice as a Christ bearer. She will bear him too. I've struggled with this question. The only thing that I can come up with is this, and I I think it's the soundest thing, and I think it's true to our religious life, and particularly as we live it, most of us, because most of us go through our lives, I think, daily, carrying our sins, aware of them, grieving over them, being, regretting them, and being glad for confession, and, you know, our our relationships with each other, the joy we look forward to in each other, things like that. I think if Beatrice made, and by, hold on to this too. If Beatrice imaged the Trinity for him, this was not an abstraction. It's not a man looking in a dictionary and giving a definition. It's not that. He looked at this woman, this woman and beheld in her a supernatural radiance. It was not an abstraction in his head. It wasn't an intellectual defining something, explaining it. It was an immediate experience, like a foreshadowing of, of the Trinity. He must have grown up as a kid hearing about the Trinity, you know, I mean, if you were in a world that didn't know it, you wouldn't quite see it that way. You might have a supernatural experience of it, but it wouldn't be in Trinitarian terms. He saw as a living thing that image, living, and he loved it. So she awakened in him a love, a joy, a promise. Um, so two things, I, th- I think, to keep in mind here. One is she's already made clear. She made real for Dante something that wasn't just in his head, it was a living image of God. I, the human being made in God's image. A greater love was awakened in Dante. Instead of being faithful to it when she died, she's already said as much. So it's not
1: her so much. It's, Sorry? It's not her so much as the, the, the love. What? You said instead of being faithful to it when she
0: died, oh. it,
1: it makes me... So it's not her as a person or a woman so
2: much as the love that she awakened in him. Right. And the goodness.
1: Okay. Well, then that makes sense.
0: And the goodness in her. I mean, all that. Right. All that was imaged in her because you know, we fall in love with each other because we're images of God. Somehow, I mean, that awakens something in us. Love doesn't exist in a vacuum. Love needs an object. That's what love is. It's going out to something. But that love was increased in him because of who she was. She, there's this goodness radiating in her. But when she died, he went elsewhere. So. She's, um,
2: she's the one who sent him on this whole journey. Right.
0: She went to get Virgil. Right. So she's behind it. Right. Right.
2: And he goes through the whole thing. Right. All the way down, all the way up. To come here. Oh. And then the first thing she says to him is, How bad are you? Right. 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 You can come in. You already <laughs> made it. But before you take one yes. more step, you're going to hear it from me first. Good. Yeah. Here's and here's where, this is. here's where this is going. If,
0: if, if we take this as real, remember, she's the one who awakened this in Dante, this love. It had to be the diff- It had to be different from say the love a pagan man would have felt for a p- Cato for Marcia, or anybody. A natural love, a natural love for another human being. This is a supernatural love. She images it. <clears throat> Dante is responding to that. It makes him write Vita Nuova, that poem. When she died, she's saying, you should have been faithful, he wasn't. Um, I think what, the reason not, not Christ, two things here. One is, I think what Dante's showing us is that I think every one of us, every one of us at some point in our life has an awakening of some kind of love. We can repress it, we can throw it off, we can do whatever we want, But I think most of us, maybe all of us, have moments where something innocent in us is awakened, a a kind of love that has an innocence to it because of the goodness of the thing. We let our selfishness get in the way, gone. But that love is original because its ultimate source is God. It's, It's awakened through another person, the human community, but it's divine. It's Christ in another. Something <clears throat> awakens that love in us. We tarnish it. We beat it up. We do bad things with it. It becomes a part of our lives. What Dante's showing us here is is that even after purgatory, before the before you enter in to that approach that will finally bring you to Christ, every human being will have to be accountable to that original innocence, the 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 love of
1: spiritual love.
0: Call it that. I'm struggling over it. it. It's a it's a a, a love that is innocent in its nature because it, it, its, end, its end is something divine, something really good. I think all of us have that. Remember when we went into uh, the inferno, the first steps into sin are unconscious. I think the first moments we have that, we're not conscious of them. They just hit us. I, I, I can hold memories. I can see visual images of something that I've still got in my memory because the sight of it, There was something to it. It's as if something beyond just the physical was present. I felt it. It's there. We're too young to give words to it. We carry it with us, all of us. Jung would have a a word for it, I'm sure. But it's there. What Dante's showing us is, to complete the purgation, the, the return to the earthly paradise, every one of us has to, it's like a reckoning of that innocence lost because it's unique, it's original, it's like the first awakening of Christ in another. Um, we have to come back to that, it's there, whatever we've done in our life. So when, I mean, Chesterton said, you come back, you did this, it's like a mother shaking. It's interesting because the first, the first moments in this exchange between Beatrice and Dante are like those of a mother to a child. When Dante is dipped in Lethe, and then the you know he comes out, she said, look deeply, look deeply, it's as if he's been completely cleansed. He's recovered that relationship to a human being that has that that trinitarian aspect to it, and now he's ready to to, to go the rest of the way. Um, Another question. Yeah. If it's a lady that's going to get you into heaven, why wasn't it Mary? Because all all things lead to Christ. Yeah.
1: Well, it was originally Mary.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, but no, but Mark's. A, it's because my answer to that, Mark, is. I mean, it's a good question again. Mary will be there. I mean, we we there's a, there's a really it's, this is really there's a there's a journey unfolding that's going to show how rich this tradition is, and how much we've lost it, just lost it. Because uh, I, I suggested this earlier. I hope it's more meaningful now. Because God works with our loves. Everybody may know in their head. Remember, Mary was the first one to start this, not Beatrice. But God works with our loves. I mean, another no way of put it, he, he takes us with our weaknesses. What does Dante love most in the world? Well, here, put it this way. I'm really so glad for that. Put it this way. Who is the one person he most loved in the world, po- in the in the world of poetry? Virgil. Who is he just had to say goodbye to? Virgil. Why? Because loving Virgil as much as he did, Dante had a lot to learn from him. He was the most natural one. He loved him. When I think about God doing this, I very often picture a baseball player thinking, God's going to work with that guy. He's going to do it through baseball. And if somebody's a lawyer or a musician or a business person, God's going to work with that person. He's going to work with that person's loves. But eventually in the spiritual journey, that person's going to learn to have to come to another place. Dante's Dante was brought this far through Virgil. Um, Beatrice was the great love of his life. He, he saw in her an image of God. He loved it. He, he wasn't faithful to it. Um, now he's about ready to enter this, um, this richer world. So um, Dante's allegorically, Dante's working with his loves, the things that love most, because the intelligence of love, because it's in the it's in the mystery of love that God most does his work, and where we need the greatest help. Straightening out earthly loves, Virgil, that's why I, I couldn't have said, I mean, I wanted to say it as strongly as I could. I, we cannot underestimate Virgil's importance. He's that important, and yet it's absolutely crucial to see for Dante to go on he had to say goodbye because he he, he that, and and why Beatrice is so merciless because he he betrayed that original innocence. I, don't know. I have problems
1: with that unless you think it's the spiri- He lost the spirituality that she represented. Sagan. And he lost the spirituality that that's.
2: The most important thing. From she represented. Represent. She, she represented the beauty of the Trinity in God, and he turned away from in that. In concrete that's, that's, sense. Sense. that's what she's mad about, right?
1: Okay, that makes more sense than mm. having him the lament difference. over uh, somebody but from no, years that's and years.
0: Not, and years. But here, well, here, here. Let me just let me try to because I think what I think what both of you are saying is true, but the the important thing for me is, and, and it's really crucial. There's a difference between an abstraction in our head that's an abstraction, an idea in our head, because that idea may not have any reference to the world at all. There's a difference between that and an actual concrete person who embodies something. The divine is present in Beatrice, who was made visible to Dante. When Dante gets to God, this is so crucial, Dante's not going to encounter a God that's an abstraction in his head. He's going to encounter Reality itself, Beatrice is real, Lucia is real, Mary is real. These are not abstractions for people to talk about. They are real people, they embody, they image God, they awaken love. Dante's learning to order his loves. The things that most had an impact on him, he's having to deal with. And right now a major turning point has occurred. Because he's had to, he, he's had to let go one of the greatest influences in his life. I mean, trust me. How easy is that for any one of us? I'm really serious. I mean, I love literature. I'm trying. I'm trying to finish this book. Every once in a while, I think, what if God wants me now? I would go whining.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, I can't. I, mean, I hear this stuff and think, Robert, what if? That we reach points where we may be being asked to give everything we love. The saints are images of that. Mary imaged it from the beginning. Christ did it. I've lost, I've, where's my, oh here. <coughs> give me five more minutes. Turn to the last page of um, very quickly before we look at the Paradiso. After Dante was bathed in Lethe, Beatrice presented a, a mask, a drama. It was the entire church history. And in it we saw the horrible things that were done by Satan to the church. The corruptions, the betrayals, everything he did. It causes Mary to weep, and she, she looks on sadly. So before Dante goes into the heaven, he experiences the wholeness of the mass, not parts, it's all there. I'm, I'm saying that because I hope everybody enjoys it. You all go to Mass, or I think sometimes, or I hope you all do once in a while. You know that in Mass, it can sometimes bring us to tears. I mean, we can be so moved by what goes on in Mass. Now, picture that multiplied a thousand times, or a hundred thousand times. It's not just the masses we know it on a particular weekend. It's all of it. All of it. All of it here <coughs> in a moment. That's how rich this tradition is. That's what Dante's showing us. We are on this side of it, because we still are in that dichotomy subject on Dante Dante's losing that. He's becoming whole. So what he experiences out of wholeness. And in the case of the mass, it's a wholeness beyond description. It's there. He also um, experiences the church history. Be- and my answer to my question that I asked a while ago, why not Christ? I think for this reason, because Dante doesn't he, he's <laughs> lost his sense. But he, this, this thing of the Logos, he doesn't see Christ in everything quite yet. When Beatrice gets through the journey, there's not gonna be an aspect of this physical world, not the, the, the stars, that, the, the planets that are a distance from us. There's not gonna be anything that doesn't reveal Christ. So he's about to step into a world that Virgil could have never shown him. The Logos, Christ, God is gonna be everywhere. So the wholeness that I've been talking about recovering is gonna larger and larger and larger and richer and richer. That's our faith. It's not a black white. There's this kind of richness that's beyond description. Okay? So he just had the Mass and he just saw church history. And then the purgatorial ends this way, 386. She asked the woman to um, bathe him in the rivers of Unoi. She is she's sad because of the church history. She's just what? So Dante, once again, is continuing his critique of the church and the problems and corruptions. Beatrice says, take him in and gracious as she was without demure, submitting her own will to another's will. There it is, the importance of giving the will to another. Remember that line it was in the Odysseus passage, that Odysseus wanted to reach that completeness on his own and God wouldn't allow it. And it said he wouldn't according to another's will. So here's the variation of that phrase again. Then gracious as she was without demure, submitting her own will to another's will. The importance of that line. Once this was made apparent by a sign, the lovely lady took me by the hand and said, Stasius, you come too. They um, bathed him in the eunoe. So in the, in the lethe, all memory of sin was erased. Now every memory of goodness is restored He's ready to ascend into the heavens. From those holiest waters are returned to her reborn, the tree renewed in bloom with newborn foliage, immaculate, eager to rise, now ready for the start. He has answered every penance. He has answered this, if I'm right in this, and I'm not sure that I am, he's answered this original love that was awakened by the holiness of another person and now that person is the one who's going to take him. It begins on page 391. The glory of the one who moves all things, penetrates all the universe, reflecting in one part more and another less. Um, on page 393, I, he, he, he invokes the help of Apollo. He's already invoked the muses the way the pagans did in the purgatory and the inferno out there. And he says here um, at the bottom of 392, the lamp that lights the world rises for man at different points, but from the place which joins four circles with three crosses. The sun crosses in at different periods of the different seasons of the year, the sun will cross the um, equator at different points. Mm-hmm. At exactly that point where they meet, it's it's been thought, that was where the sun was on the moment of creation. So when Adam and Eve came into the world, the sun was there. Dante is saying that that sun is almost at this point when he emerges to go into the heavens, that it's so propitious um, that that light is with him now the way it was for Adam and Eve. Um, So he emerges into the heaven when the sun's at that position. Upon a happier course with happier stars conjoined and in this way it warms and seals the earthly wax closer to its likeness. Everything he does will be closer to that original love. Either Dante was an idiot, or this was an extraordinary person who very likely may, or may have had a mystical experience of his own. Because what he's about to describe is going to take us into that world. This glad union had made it morning there and evening here. Hold on to this line. Our hemisphere was dark while all the mountains behind bathed in white. Now remember this. Dante's already had the journey, right? He's come back, and the opening canto is he said, I was in a dark wood. So we know he's already completed the journey, he's telling the story. This is the only time since that opening that we get a sense that Dante's in, I'm going to, Dante's in his study writing, okay? But as he's writing, he's in one hemisphere remembering where he was. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've suggested this to you a number of times. When we take the Eucharist, where are we? we're to understand we're in God's kingdom, we're of his kingdom now, it's in us. So where are we? Walking out to the parking lot. These lines of Eliot, I can't say if it's there or there to place it in time, it's neither here or near, you know, I'm gonna go back to those lines. It's It's neither the dance, it's neither here nor there. Where are we in these moments? Where is Dante? Because right now, he's sitting, writing the poem, while he is somewhere else. So it's just a remind, I, I'm convinced that Eliot got the best of his lines from things like this in Dante. He's going to begin this story into the heavens, he's at home writing, while he's reliving this journey where his faith is going to extraordinarily deepen because he's going to be seeing meaning everywhere. Um, Page 394, he finds himself rising, and it's happening faster than the speed of light. Gazing at her, I felt myself becoming what Glaucus could become, tasting the herb. It's interesting, it's a pagan, it's a story, I think it's in Ovid, where Glaucus tastes, the fish tastes the herb when he comes up, when he's caught and put on the land. He tastes the herb, he's transformed. Eating, did it. Dante is now um, transhumanized. Remember that word I've used, theiosis, the, the ancient father's theosis, The gradual transformation of a human into God. But right now we're watching Dante entering a space and this is what gives it away. He's going to enter the moon space and he says bodies can't keep bodies out anymore. He's entering a, He's entering He's entered an area in which bodies can interdwell dwell Because what's the ultimate source of all things? The indwelling of the Trinity. So he himself is changing his nature and that change is going to be reflected in everything that happens between him and Beatrice. So he's going to unfold for us the fullness that I think we're to anticipate in the indwelling of the Trinity and the indwelling of everyone else with each other in heaven. That's where we're going. Good question. Yeah? How come he invokes a pagan god while in heaven? Good question, Mark. I mean, that would seem to be more of a thing just to. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. religious. Is it symbolism? Yeah, I got there, that's the symbol i choose no. to do. Wait, no, wait, <laughs> I think I think, I, think because, I I think that's a really good question. Because keep, Milton, remember, invokes the Holy Spirit. Um, my only answer to that is because he he acknowledges that there was something divine in everything that the pagans saw, and he wants to carry that world forward, it, transforming it as he goes. Um I just you guys have, you guys have a good week, keep up your Lenten work and here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this here before you all, if you'll just hold on to your seats for a second. The, the Perdiso is the most abstract, the most difficult of the Three Candles. It is intellectually far more mm-hmm. difficult, but if you stay with it and read it and don't get impatient, if you don't, and and open yourselves, it. I mean, it's it's like you know when you convert, there's this world beyond, and you think it's all okay until you enter into it, and then you realize when you enter it, it's good. It's much tougher than you thought. It's it's extraordinarily rich if you'll just be patient. So, be patient as you read forward. Okay. You guys have a good week. You guys. Right. Uh,